Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Home Abstract and Title Company was founded in 1867 and is the oldest company still operating in McLennan County. Home Abstract is comprised of a team of honest, friendly, hardworking professionals dedicated to providing both commercial and residential real estate clients with the highest level of communication and service. Their team is committed to working hard and building and maintaining strong relationships because transactions are so much more than just deals. They are clients deserving of the courtesy, care and respect that home abstract and title company is known for visit home abstract and title company at homeabstract.com cross the brazos and waco i'm safe when i reach seven well, welcome back to the waco history podcast we are almost a year into our crossroads series and it's taken us all sorts of different places and and we invite you to go back and listen to to all those episodes that we have had and and one aspect of waco's history that we got into that we just kept getting into deeper rick was entertainment yeah surprisingly there, there there's a lot more to be uh, uncovered in that topic than i expected mm-hmm. perhaps we're easily amused but uh, easily entertained. Yeah, yeah. So this is entertainment three, and Rick, you want to introduce our guests that are with us? Well, um, you probably know them better oh, than okay. I do, yeah, so well, I would suggest you. Well, we have a, uh, a. Both of these have contributed to the fabric uh, of Waco. Uh, Carl Hoover, Absolutely. whose uh, picture you've seen has that picture changed in thirty years, Carl? Or is yes, it, it has. As, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whose picture you see in the Waco Tribune Herald, and who has written on uh, local arts, local entertainment for thirty years now with the Trib. More than thirty. Now. And uh, he is literally holding the Trib up on his shoulders <laughs> uh, right now. But Carl's with us, uh, and of course, a lot of things we're going to talk about. Carl's written on from time to time. Uh, Chris is the creative in the room. Chris Hansen is with us, a colleague at Baylor University. Chris, welcome. Thank you. And so Chris is a, a filmmaker and a professor, and Chris has filmed a lot of the landscapes in Waco, uh, five or six different films, mm-hmm. I think, that you've done in Waco. You, you want to highlight any of those now for us? Sure. Well, the most recent one was called Seven Short Films About Our Marriage, which uh, you can watch on Amazon. If you have Prime, you can watch that for free or um, 2B TV and, and other um, streaming services and um, one before that was called Blur Circle, also on on those services. And yeah, we love filming in Waco. I always tell people that um, Wacoans are um, not uh, jaded about making movies in their city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they actually enjoy it and they invite you in. And uh, business owners, generally speaking, uh, not every one of them, but generally speaking, are uh, happy to have you uh, invade their space and 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 feature their business in, in uh, your film. And um 
Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a different vibe when you're out in California, <laughs> which is, uh, I haven't shot things in California, but I, I, uh, have been out there a lot and I know people who make movies out there and yeah, that's a jaded, uh, <laughs> environment so Chris, I'm curious, is, is the, is there an upward trend in filming in Waco or kind of where, yeah. where do you think that? Yeah, it's from, that? so I've been at Baylor since 2004 and nobody was really, I won't say it's never never happened, but people were really weren't making films in Waco back then. And uh, now we are labeled, as you guys probably know, a film friendly city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have uh, the Waco arts community has grown. We mm-hmm. have a, a film festival, Deep in the Heart Film Festival, which recently changed its name to the Waco Independent Film Festival. And, um, you know, there's a lot more filming going on in the city as a result of that. I mean, because of what I just said, because people are really open to it. Now, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully we don't turn into a jaded right. uh, town. But I think that's it's also that kind of Texas uh, yeah, seems- Waco and mentality that people are just friendly. Right. Mm-hmm. And there seems to have been a, a shift from California to places like Austin yeah, yeah. with with having more, much more production facilities. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so, so are we getting the benefit of maybe some of that? Yeah, um, yeah there's people growth. building studios. Um, I know of several projects that are going on right now in the area. I know one that's being built in Lorena mm-hmm. that's going to have virtual production capabilities. I don't know if you're familiar with virtual production, but that's where... You know, like the Mandalorian, uh, the Star Wars television show is shot virtual production style where... You mean that's not all real? <laughs> yeah. That's on location. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On location. So they shoot it in a studio, but the backgrounds are all visible to the actors instead of green screen and everything. Right. So that's what virtual production is. And um, so we're, I know I know of a studio that's a, a company that's building one in Lorena. There's several other projects in the Central Texas area that are building production studios wow. because... This area is has a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot less expensive than yeah. than other parts of the country, and they're you know they want the business out here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. One of the things that at each of the uh, Deep in the Heart Film Festivals, they've had a filmmakers tour of yeah. Waco, mm-hmm. and they drive them through, and so you can see like prairie, you can see a lake, you can see a river, you can see yeah. historic buildings, you can see modern buildings. It's all here very convenient. So almost like as if we're a crossroads of filming locations. Excellent. Nice setup, I thought. So that's Rick Tullis, <laughs> uh, co-host and creator of the Crossroads series. <laughs> it's his idea. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great uh, contemporary context. Uh, and let, let's go back a little bit, and then we'll come forward and kind of get to to more recent things. But Rick, as he's done on this series, has done some good research on Maybe some things we should think about earlier when it comes to kind of entertainment. And, and yeah, so I tried to find you know some good historical record, mm-hmm. some some things that were back there that maybe not uh, as, be as well known. It, it gets a little difficult. I mean, we do as we've talked about in the past in the podcast. There was lots of entertainment because you had uh, cattle drives coming through. You had a lot of people coming through the crossroads town, and they wanted entertainment. Most of it seemed more like saloon based type uh, entertainment. And not necessarily anything regionally or nationally known. Kind of the first person I came across across that uh, probably projected beyond Waco, and there were probably others, but this one that I thought was an interesting one was the daughter of Ju- Judge jo- George Gerald. So, mm. um, you know, I know you've done some podcasts on that with Brian, on, yeah. yeah, and uh, he he's a character and all that, and actually. Uh, 
little little foreshadowing for our next episode where we do talk about some of the criminal uh, mm-hmm. crossroads in Waco. But anyway, um, uh, uh, Judge Gerald was a was a uh, significant uh, person in the community. He was a county judge. Um, you know, he owned some business as well, but he was also a uh, a supporter of brand. And uh, anyway, his daughter one of his one of his uh, misfortune in his life was his daughter decided to become an actress. Oh, shame. Yes. Man. Yeah. So it was not a well-regarded um, uh, career uh, choice at that time. Um, in fact, that can probably probably be tied to why uh, we see in the in the Waco handbooks in the directories the prostitutes were all listed as actresses. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there may be some connections that, there. That'll to go this. forward without editorializing. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but think, not today. I think now it's independent model or something like that. But <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um, so, so she uh, she she ended up graduating from Baylor. Um, she taught elocution. You know what that is, right? Don't I you? do. Yeah, that's at, speaking at Waco Female mm-hmm. College, and um, ended up um, doing some acting around here at the Opera House. Um, in, in one of the, uh, references I found, uh, her dad actually locked her out of the house after a performance. He was, uh, he was so, so dead set against it. She actually ends up moving to New York city and, uh, there's records that show she, she acted in many plays, uh, at least 15 and wrote one that actually got adapted into being a silent film in oh 1915. Carl, have you ever seen this silent film? No, I haven't. The one, the, <laughs> the woman pays. 1915. Uh, I got to see if I can find that. Yeah, uh, you might try Netflix. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, <laughs> YouTube. Well, um, I, I think, I mean, um, there was a Baylor professor named Dorothy Scarborough who wrote a novel shortly after that called The Wind, and that g- did get made into a silent film. It had Lillian Gish. Oh, okay. There it's you a go. a great mm-hmm. little novel about a woman on the western Texas frontier who basically goes crazy from the isolation and this constant wind that's blowing and her husband leaves her and such. And so the, the book ends in a sort of dark place, but with Lillian Gish, it ends in a happy place. Oh. And she and her husband are reconciled. <laughs> oh. does, does it talk about, um, you know, like three months of hundred degree heat and does it add that into the, you know, dust, lots you know, of dust, yeah. wind and dust. I could see that being tough. Um, yeah. So that's Florence. That's Florence Gerald. And uh, she eventually passes away. She she lives in New York at As that time. We all do. Yeah. Yes, in <laughs> 1942, and got got buried in a um, what they they called it like an actors cemetery or something. I guess they didn't uh, actors <laughs> didn't have much money. I think of poppers, you know, cemeteries here or, uh-huh. or uh, but she, whatever the equivalent was is is where she got buried in uh, wow. Valhalla, New York. A silent film it could be an organizing principle here at the beginning. We talked about Texas Guinan before, but Carl, I know you've written some yeah. on uh, Texas Guinan. There was a time that I was thinking of the people you can make a great movie at yeah. from Waco. She would be one because she was always changing who she was identifying. And I was thinking, and this sort of dates the reference, but you know, this would be Madonna's role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always reinventing her. We better hurry. She, her health's not. She really grows good. up in Waco, and she goes to a Catholic school and sort of rebellious and such like that, uh, and then ends up getting in vaudeville. Goes out west to follow movie making. Mm-hmm. She's involved in uh, lots of westerns. By this time, she has identified herself as a cowgirl from Western Waco, Texas. 
Nice. And as in a, a lot of the B movie films, and I, th I think I was looking at her filmography, and she had maybe like twenty movies in nineteen nineteen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Know, I was about to say this was early nineteen hundreds. So, right. Right. Things didn't quite gel for her. She ends up in New York and has found a second or a third or fourth life as a hostess of a speakeasy mm -hmm. and is sort of floating through New York, you know, one step ahead of the police and such like that, but became known as the, the queen of the nightclubs. Hello, sucker. Hello, sucker was how she would, in, you know, people would come into her club and hello, sucker. And so she made a her second or third name for herself as such, from Waco, Texas. You nice. know, and the irony of being from straight-laced Waco to quite the... Now, did they, did they call her Texas? Was that, was that how she was referred to? Th that's the that, name she takes on with her screen, right. kind of her screen yeah, I think presence. Her, her baptized name was Mary? Yeah. No. Yeah, Mary Louise uh, Cecilia, Cecilia Guyton. But yeah, she, uh, I think she was uh, you know, a fairly good horse uh, fairly good with the horse and with the rope and that sort of stuff. And so those were featured in those movies. Yeah. And her invented childhood, she had where she fell in the Brazos River and you know, was swept away, rescued. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, if you, you, you can uh, tie your legend to that for sure. <laughs> well, one of the things, and I thought this was a really cool part of her story, I guess at some point she, she probably gets chased out of New York, has a traveling show, and they try to go over to Europe. And, and, it, and if I if I get the political scene right in Europe, you know, it's post-World War One. Mm -hmm. you know, the, there's unemployment, you know, they're in the Depression too, and they're trying to protect their jobs. So they don't want, they really don't want outside entertainers coming in onto the continent and displacing, you know, the, the their homegrown entertainers. So it seems like uh, uh, she runs into a problem. They won't let her uh, disembark off her ship, uh, you know, into France and... Um, Eventually, has to turn around, and come back, but uh, I love it the 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 marketing aspect here. She bring, comes back and renames her show "Too Hot for Paris," <laughs> which that's uh, good branding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take take that experience and turn it around into a, a net positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anne Gwen was another uh, name that you pulled up. Uh, There's a Texas-born early film star. We're, yeah, get, we're, born, getting, we're getting to talkies now. Yeah, yeah, born in 1918 in Waco. Mm -hmm. And she is a co-star in the Flash Gordon series in yes. 1940. So yeah. we're obviously transitioning by 1940 from the Westerns to uh, some sci-fi. Yeah. Did 60 films between 39 and 1970, 1939 and 1970. So. I looked it up, including the horror of Frankenstein. And, oh, uh, really? The Black Cat. Okay, there you go. You know, there's there's going to be a theme, especially when we get to the these uh, actors and actresses. Uh, as I was looking at them, at how many films they did, and mm -hmm. and even the more modern ones. But we might only know one or two of them. Yeah, it, it's almost it's almost like um, these uh, venture capitalists. You know, they go out and fund a bunch of businesses, and they only know one or two are going to make it, and those are going to be the ones that you know set their course. So. It, Seems like that, you know, Chris, you, you're kind of in that world. It seems like you got to, that's volume. part of the strategy. You got to put yeah. a bunch of stuff out there and knowing one or two of them are going to make it. Yeah, I, I, especially in the silent era, they they made so many films. Yeah. And so and the actors were contracted and they just, they just 
they kept making them. They just yeah. kept, they just kept making movies. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, you know, today where they're they're putting millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, they were spending a lot of money on the movies then too, but not like they are now, and they're not huge productions. They're just like it's like let's go out tomorrow and make another movie, <laughs> and then yeah. you know it might take a few days, and then we're done, and then we're on to the next one. So yeah, actors would star, and and then and they were shorter, and that you know, so a movie might be you know, a, a 40 minute or a 30 minute movie. And so, you know, their our concept of what those silent movies were is a lot different than what, mm-hmm. what we have right. today. Yeah. The right. industry is a very different thing. Yeah. But under contract, you got to keep them work, working every exactly. day. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Otherwise you're wasting money. Mm-hmm. There was a time where they had, and this is before the, the megaplexes, obviously, but there were five to seven different movie theaters in downtown Waco. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Hippodrome famously, you know, started as a vaudeville house, has a fire, and then it's reborn as a movie house and was that for much of its its lifetime in, in downtown. There was something and Stephen may know as much about this as I've learned, but there was a, a short movie called A Waco Romance that was made in the twenties or thirties, and it has footage of uh, the um Hoffmanettes. Well, the one I'm thinking about is the Passerby. Okay. So it was the Passerby made, and the Texas Collection has that film. And it was made in the 19-teens, early okay. 19-teens. And it, it looks, Chris, like it's the early age of film. And it's it was a company that would just go from town to town and kind of shoot local sites. And there may have been a bit of a storyline in there, but it's mainly to hide, mainly for people to go to a movie theater and see themselves up right. on the screen. Interesting. And so it's really an interesting piece. And you can see the Hoffmanettes in there. You can see the Artesian Manufacturing Building. You can see them go way out to Cameron Park. I mean, they actually kind of do a journey out to Cameron Park. And so it's an interesting film. And the, the Texas Collection does have a copy of that. Chase sequence with an old fire engine. There is. Right. Yeah, there is an old fire engine in it. And, and there's a lot of... Uh, shots on downtown streets and it's it's an amazing film so and you can see this building in it you can see alico building in it a lot of uh a lot of a lot of the early silence are just gone you know it was very disposable uh, it wasn't you know the way we preserve things now the fact that we shoot everything digitally and mm-hmm. and it's all you know on media that we can well don't get me talking about streaming media and how disposable that is, but yeah. um, the fact that we preserve everything now is a completely modern sensibility. It was like all very disposable then. Not to mention, film uh, was very flammable, and mm-hmm. we've lost, we've lost. I, the, I don't know what the estimates are. Something like seventy-five percent or more mm-hmm. of silent film has just gone up in smoke because it was flammable and it just burned up. Oh, so. Yeah, I think the story of the passerby is they found a copy in the closet. That's how, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff that's preserved was mm-hmm. just somebody kept it <laughs> and we got lucky. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Stephen, I'm going to take a little bit of, of license on this next one. Okay. It may have been someone we, we should have mentioned before, but she has a, actually a crossover career, so I think it uh, I think it's worth mentioning. So Cindy Walker, um, she uh, she was born outside of Mart um, in Mc- I'm pretty sure in McLennan County, you know, Mart's kind of right there on the border. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, uh, she, she ended up moving and living out most of her life in Mahia. But um, 
she's uh, born into a musically talented family, does a little uh, singing and dancing growing up locally. And then uh, her dad is a cotton buyer. So they're out in L.A. in uh, 1941, I believe, or 1940. She's 22. They're driving down Sunset Boulevard. They see Bing Crosby Studios, and she gets her dad to stop. And she's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get him to record one of my songs. So she goes in, uh, ends up talking to, uh, uh, Bing's brother, who was a business manager there, uh, grabs her mom. She accompanies her on the piano and she plays this, uh, the song Lone Star Trail. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess he was impressed the next day they get her in front of, of Bing, uh, at a, at a movie studio. He loves the song, signs her. He ends up recording the song. It becomes a top 10 hit. And she spends the next little over a decade out in L.A. writing music, doing some uh, some performing herself, also pr- uh, performing in a few uh, wow. films. Um, but it doesn't end there. She ends up moving back uh, to Mahia, and she becomes this prolific writer. She writes hmm. over 500 songs that were recorded. Oh and over over 40 of them became top 40 hits um, for, and I mean, you, you couldn't list all the artists for everybody from Elvis to Gene Autry to um, Hank Wills to uh, Willie Nelson. Mm. In fact, when um, one of her songs, and, and this is great, if, if you just went out and YouTubed, You Don't Know Me. Could you sing a few uh, <laughs> bars of that? I think I remember it, but do you mind saying? Yeah, well, this would yeah. be a good place to maybe put one in the. Uh, oh, hey, in, yeah. In, okay, in, so we'll in, in the record. We will pause now for a clip of uh, "You Don't Know Me" by Cindy Walker. Yeah, so so it's a song. I I mean, I've heard him by a lot of artists. I didn't realize it was from a Central Texan uh, writer. So she gets uh, inducted into the, you know, all the all the halls of fame. So Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, Country Music Hall of Fame, um, and um, yeah, just one of the most prolific uh, songwriters in country music. Carl, have you written about her? Written about Cindy yes. Walker? Have you? Anything else you remember from your research into Cindy Walker we need to know? Well, and this was more sort of the, the crossroads of uh, music and film. Exactly. Um, but there is video or there's film of Jules Bledsoe that when he was in London, um, several of his songs they would do as a little tease and such like that. And so it used to be available on the internet, but Parfait. Film of France had it in their archives, like several songs and arias that he would do. And so you could see Jules Bledsoe actually singing in person and such. Mm-hmm. Fast forward decades into the future, we had a uh, hip hop group in the 90s, High Five. That's right. Oh, yeah. And we talked about they, that. Yeah. They have the last number one chart hit made by a Waco group. 
and the music video from that was filmed in Waco. Oh, wow. And so you have, like, in the background, you have the Elite Cafe, and uh-huh. you have the suspension bridge. And well, i got to go back and check that out. There you go. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so you were playing a clip, Rick, before we started, Victor Bozeman, uh, one of your new favorites. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting um, Waco connection that that uh, came across. So, uh, born in Waco in 1929. Uh, don't don't know his story. Don't know his journey. But he ends up in uh, 1950 being a disc jockey in New York City for WL uh, LIB. Uh, but then somewhere in the 60s and 70s, he begins appearing in supporting roles on TV. Um, uh, see some TV shows like It Takes a Thief. Ironside, Get Smart, McLeod. And um, and then by 1974, he switches over to doing uh, announcing work. Ends up working for NBC out in Burbank, California. And it really is a is, breaks a barrier. I mean, mm. he's one of the few African-Americans who uh, gets into that, uh, that line of work that early in the, uh, uh, in the TV world. And so... Yeah, it's fun. You, you can go on YouTube and find some bumpers that he did uh, back in the 70s and just has that very smooth, cool voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of us who were around back then, it almost sounds familiar, probably because we heard it. So, All right, let's, while we're at it, let's, we'll insert a, a clip of Victor Bozeman for you here. So the melodic sounds of Victor Bozeman. This is Victor Bozeman. Be with us next week when NBC Late Night Movie will present Loving You, starring Elvis Presley. So what's your thoughts of that clip, Carl? <laughs> it's unlike anything I've heard before. Fantastic. Good. Or like everything you've heard, like heard before. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a smooth transitional figure, uh, we then jump to Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, which is much more contemporary, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, much more contemporary. Uh, how did you first see Shannon Elizabeth, uh, Rick? I wasn't allowed to watch those kind of movies okay. growing up. So Shannon Elizabeth Fadal, uh, which is uh, her Elizabeth is she grew up Elizabeth Fadal, I believe, uh, in town, and uh, uh, star of American Pie, I think, is how she kind of made a name for herself, but she's gone on to be in several different movies and she's done professional uh, poker playing. I had an encounter with her once. Uh, we were filming, she was filming a pilot for a, uh, who do you think, you know, where are you from, Roots kind of show. And they were coming back, uh, the Fadals were a really important Lebanese family in Waco. And we have oral histories with uh, some of her uncles um and so she was coming back to see that as part of filming the show i was going to show her that and it it led to controversy uh at baylor university because she had appeared in playboy magazine and so the discussion went up to the highest level i think at (laughs) baylor and ultimately they decided she was sorry uh and so we did film uh, on baylor university campus although it never aired so but one one little tidbit from that that i did pick up the day of filming, in my suite in Carroll Library, someone, I still don't know who, walked in the front door, it closed behind them, and to no one in particular yelled, the talent will be here in five, and then turned around and walked out. And so I had my administrative assistant do that my next class period, just with the students in there, go in and announce that the talent will be here in five, and then walk out. 
And I feel, I feel like since then that I should have been, I should be introduced to that every class period. Right? Yeah, the only thing I'd add that there is at least at this point, she's showing accredited 59 movies and TV roles. So again, talking about these prolific mm-hmm. numbers of just got to get yourself out there, got to do a lot of a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? Well, your mention of the, yeah. the talent. This is yeah. Digression. Talent will be here in five. I've been involved in two movies in Waco in the time that I've been here. One was one of Chris's movies, and I think I'm a, sh- uh, a shoulder in the corner <laughs> of a evening dining scene outside. Was he believable as a, as a shoulder? <laughs> Did he sell it? Yeah, that's right. I had we had to cut m- the rest of his body. So. My mind's in there trying to get that shoulder in there. Um, and then the other one was when they filmed Where the Heart Is. Oh, yeah. The final sequence at Baylor, in which they had... I'm one of the hundreds of extras running in the background. And Baylor was standing in for Bowdoin University in Maine, uh-huh. and it was supposed to be fall in Maine, and it's like 95 degrees in Waco, <laughs> Texas. And say, here, wear this brown sweater as part of your thing to walk across the quad or something. You, you were a anyway. professor. You probably were a professor exactly, in that scene. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Natalie Portman was the star of that film. Mm-hmm. And this is the time that she had just signed on and was doing some of the Star Wars films. Big, you know, like, oh, big star in Waco and such. So I'm a lowly extra. We've already been given instructions. Do not mess with the talent. Stay away from anything. So we're waiting on a scene to be set up. And this young woman comes into the shot, you know, and she's standing. And the camera people are getting their angles and they're adjusting her. And they're like, this is Natalie Portman. And I'm only 20 feet away. And it was later I found out she was the body double. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Brought her in. She's the right height, you know, and yeah. they could get their lighting off that one. I never saw Natalie Portman in Waco. So it seems like the status of actresses has changed over the podcast so far. That uh, <laughs> It may not be yeah. quite as uh, objectionable yeah. <laughs> as it used to be. Uh, uh, Perry Gilpin uh, is another one that was that's quite famous and uh, yeah, she, well, especially yeah. if you're a '80s and '90s yeah. TV watcher. Mm-hmm. But she uh, Roz on Frasier uh, for that for that reference for many of you. Uh, but she's also appeared in a lot of films and different TV shows. She does a lot of uh, animated voiceover work now. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, she is. Se- I mean, she's still. I think she's still appearing in some. TV, but she has segued into doing a lot of um, animated voiceover work. So I don't know if that's a, was a decision related to family. Uh, I think it's easier to do voiceover work than <laughs> I know it's easier to do voiceover work <laughs> than appearing in in television series. But yeah, she does a ton of it. So Chris, do you do voiceover work? I would happily do it if somebody wanted to yeah, hire me. You got a good me, voice. But, yeah, and Chris has a good voice. <laughs> this is this is a voice affected by uh, having a growth on my vocal cords. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's a little lower down than it used to be. I have a little more gravel in it. So, well, that's good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah it good. works. Maybe a villain. There's, there's Maybe, a market. Yeah, right, right. It works. Yeah, there's a, there's a market for, for gravel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, another Waco-born actress. Yeah, there is a, uh, I think there is a podcast on this network called uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Please Come on Our Show. And, <laughs> I think I've heard of that. Yeah, and I don't know how many episodes they've done, but as of yet, she is not. Uh, so if she's a Waco History Podcast listener, just consider it. Yeah, yeah. She, or uh, even better, come on the Waco yeah, History Podcast right. and really show them we'll up. We'll absorb that's them. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yep. She's been in over 60, 65 films, TV shows, music videos, and animated voiceovers. 
So um, still going strong. And then a name that gets up gets brought up all the time, uh, who was uh, not very old uh, when he left Waco, uh, is Steve Martin. So Steve Martin, born in Waco, August 14th, uh, 1945. His family moved to California when he was five. So this comes up all the time, right, Carl? I mean, people, people say this all the time. Let, let me give you an interesting thing that never made it into a story. But you have Steve Martin, who's born in Waco, 1945. You have Robert Wilson, who's from Waco, who is an internationally known uh, theatrical director and avant-garde all through his career. France knows him better than Waco, Texas, his, his hometown. He was born in 41. Mm. Terrence Malick mm -hmm. was born in 1943. Now, he was born in Illinois. But all of them are in Waco, I was trying to find out, early 50s. Now, uh, Steve Martin and his family moved to California in five, which, interestingly enough, his dad uh, had some sort of connection with Baylor Theater, mm. Paul Baker. Because mm. uh, I remember talking with Paul Baker's daughter, Robin, about it. This is like I was looking in yearbooks because I thought he might be on the faculty. And so, no, he wasn't on the yeah, faculty. Yeah, his dad was a performer. I remember reading reading about yeah. that. And that's what inspired young Steve. He, he would go to these community productions and see his dad up on stage. But it's interesting in that S Steve's two autobiographies doesn't mention Waco at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> not terribly proud of it. Yeah. He's um, got to be kind of the most like contemporary famous most famous contemporary person like from Waco, right? I would like yeah, I would think that, so. that the general consensus. Yeah, probably with the with the most longevity of yeah. career, yeah. most most uh impactful career probably. Most impactful. Yeah. yeah. I mean because some of the people on here on this list, like if you ask somebody who was twenty or twenty five, they would know those names more likely more they would know them better than they know Steve Martin, but still his career has been going. Yeah. For a long time, and is still going. Yeah, I mean, only mean, murders in the building that's now right. is is big, and even big with some younger people. So. And, and he's done a lot of writing and producing yeah. beyond yeah. just acting. I, his quote about Waco that that I do love his quote when he talks when he does talk about Waco, which is not very often. He he refers to this building, to the Alico building, because it was the only building, of course, the only tall building left standing. And he said, when you fly over Waco, it's the only. Uh, city in america that flips you off when you when you look down on it <laughs> because it was the only tall building left in the city so i thought bob hope had said that <laughs> no i heard it was steve martin but insert celebrity here yeah i guess so but i since he's from waco i figure it might have been a okay so so what's your favorite steve martin well, movie but before that you mentioned only murders in the building do you know the name of his tv character in Only Murders in the Building. So he's an ex-TV star. Yeah, what is the name of it? It's Brazos. Yeah. Brazos oh. is his detective that's name. That's true. I, forgot, I did know that. Yeah, so I, I've always thought that's got to be a nod back to, yeah, you know, where else would he come up with that? Yeah. So. That's a good point. I mm -hmm. didn't even well, make that connection. we need to invite him to get on the podcast <laughs> and explain that. Uh, that may be another podcast. We can start another podcast. <laughs> uh, you, you were asking, yeah, I think that's a great, if you want to poll uh, yeah, let's the hear group. Favorite, favorite Steve Martin? Uh, oh, my favorite Steve Martin movie is uh, one of the lesser known ones. It's L.A. Story, uh -huh. which is um, I people probably don't know this, but it's kind of his take on um, uh, La Dolce Vita, uh, which is um, 
Fellini's *The Sweet Life*. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very much his his L.A. version of *La Dolce Vita*. If you were to if you were to watch *La Dolce Vita* and then watch *L.A. Story*, it is very much him serenading L.A. He he obviously loves L.A., but also sees the the absurdities of it, which is really what *La Dolce Vita* was about. Um, about you know what uh, I can't remember what city is La Dolce Vita about I can't remember now but in Italy um yeah Rome yes probably um so it's it's a it's a love story to LA but it's also about the absurdities of LA so it's a really hilarious but it's also a very sweet film in a lot of ways yeah all right Carl you're an expert I hate these things as always to draw a blank I I remember his Saturday night stuff so much that it's hard to single out his comedy films but i'd probably like his dramatic work as much his as dramatic that. work is really impressive yeah mm-hmm. and of course i'm drawing a blank on the roxanne is another good one too yeah, his Cyrano film yeah so i'll i'll bring one out of the that that i thought was funny it was the man with two brains it's hilarious which is, <laughs> it's so it's so stupid it's, it's, it's so ridiculously yeah. ludicrous but yeah. uh, but but a funny film very funny and I, of course, I, you know, we all remember the jerk. Uh, Classic. We yeah. never had seen anything like that uh, in film, and that, and that was the mark of his stand-up, right? It was so yeah. wild, yeah. Uh, you know. Taking, I, I read his, you know, read his autobiography, you know, taking huge, huge crowds out of two thousand seat auditoriums and going down and buying burgers and at McDonald's and things like that. And some of the things he used to do in his live show, uh, remarkable. Yeah. So, so the father of the bride series was obviously, you know, very impactful. I remember, uh, it's a sweet, there's a sweet series of movies. My it, wife and I really love them. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it wasn't as edgy as some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. It was very endearing. And, uh, the, the, you know, the story's great. Parent trap. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one lesser known film he did, uh, called leap of faith. Yep. Uh huh. Which, um, is actually set in Texas. They did some of the filming in back in my hometown in Plainview, Texas. That was one of the uh, one of the sites of the filming. So, aluminum siding is the the line that I remember. They had to work in. They gave them different words to work in into the sermon. <laughs> aluminum siding was one. That he Just remember when when he was big live. When you know, mm-hmm. um, it was the same time that Robin Williams was coming up as a huge superstar mm-hmm. comedian and they they were always kind of pitted against each other and I was a huge Robin Williams fan and um so I it was it was like you couldn't like the two of them at the same time mm-hmm. you know mad magazine I remember did a kind of a Robin Williams versus uh, Steve Martin thing so and now I look back and I'm like they well they're both brilliant you know mm-hmm. they're both brilliant comedians so you know why do we always pit <laughs> pit people against each other because when, it's clickbait That's yeah it well exactly it sells it sells magazines or or subscriptions or whatever but well, yeah well chris i'll ask you something in your wheelhouse here so you talked about uh steve martin's kind of serious roles and of course i thought of that with robin williams as well yeah. when he plays a dramatic role i mean what is the power of a someone that we anticipate as a comedic actor because there is this power, I think, when they play against Bill yeah. Murray does this mm-hmm. when he plays against type. I mean, what is that? Why is that so impactful uh, when we kind of see him playing against their type? I just think it's you know the reality is that these guys or or women mm-hmm. have 
uh, just as much depth as the rest of us, but we're used to one side of them. I mean, Robin mm. Williams and Steve Martin back in those days, especially when you were watching those stand-up routines, which were like, I don't know, Robin Williams was like, I think my brother described him as just a wall of sound. I mean, it's like mm. a nonstop. And, and he, you know, he just could not stop talking and he was hilarious. And, uh, and, and you see him in uh, like Awakenings, which mm -hmm. I think is a beautiful film. Yeah. And his per his performance in it is just beautiful. It's understated and small, and um, and that was there too. Mm -hmm. And and that he could be this thing on the one hand and this other thing, you know, at the same time is is really remarkable. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. It's yeah. that we we can we can laugh and laugh and laugh at at what he can do, and then. And then at the same time, he can do this other thing that's so touching. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. Mm. So, I mean, Steve Martin's the same way. I mean, he can be the jerk and he can be a wild and crazy guy, you know, mm. and have the arrow sticking out of his head and, you know, all the stand up stuff that was zany and funny and crazy. And it was like the taking the people to McDonald's and, you know, all of the crazy stuff. And yet he also was capable of some really serious, yeah. dramatic stuff. And, and, and is a really thoughtful writer who's yeah. written, he's a playwright and a mm -hmm. novelist. And I've read a, a bunch of his stuff and he's a good writer, you mm -hmm. know? So like we we box people into this one thing that they get famous for, but they're often, especially yeah. creative people, are often creative in a lot of different directions. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Steve Martin has one of my favorite quotes about writing. I was collecting quotes about writing when I was working on my dissertation. And... One of his quotes is, I feel like I did pretty good because I just started out with a bunch of blank paper. <laughs> so, look what I did. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Carl, other thoughts on Steve Martin before we move on? None come to mind. All right. All right. So Steve Martin, come be on our show. <laughs> uh, probably a, a, definitely a little less caliber, but more current uh, in some people's minds, especially because the office gets so much continued play i mean okay all my kids have watched the whole series i mean the thing's been off the air for a decade now yeah. yeah 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 um no that my son's my son's 25 it is the soundtrack i mean they would just have it on if they were in the room kind of playing of course now with streaming it can play over and over and over yeah. again yeah. that was the soundtrack yeah. You know? yeah so so angela kinsey right is mm -hmm. uh uh, our Waco connection to the show. She she played Angela on The Office. Uh, she was a Baylor grad in 93. Angela, I, so Angela is the first person on this list that I've actually met. So, so um, uh, and she was in the same sorority that my oldest daughter was in at Baylor. Uh, not at the same time, obviously, because Angela's my age. So, um, <laughs> so uh, but I was at a, um, a Baylor... Uh, event in LA that um, my department was a part of and so she was there and um, I decided um, because I knew my daughter shared the the connection there I thought I'm, I'm gonna ask her if she would just like you know say hi to my daughter on video you know um, and I figured the the Chi Omega connection would uh -huh. you know she'd probably do it 
and uh, and we're we have mutual friends, and and I was one of the principals. I was one of the speakers at the event, so you know, figured she'd do it. She was very friendly, but she was like, I said, would you just say? Hi? And she was like, give me give me the camera. <laughs> she took the camera and she immediately went into character as Angela. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and and uh, she took the camera from me and like did it in character as Angela to my daughter and her friends. And, uh, man, I got street cred off of that for a while. I sent it to my daughter and my daughter is like showing it to all with her friends at the time, her coyote friend. points. Oh man. I got a lot of points off of that. So yeah, that great. but Angela was great. She's a, she's a really sweet person and very funny. Yeah. Yeah. And still active too, right? In yeah. The, in the industry. Yeah. Very active. And she's also got a podcast, um, with, uh, I can't think of the actor's name who played her counterpart on The Office. The um, uh, yeah. it's uh, Jenna Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I can't think of the name of the podcast. Something like The Office Girls or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they they it's a rewatch. It's a rewatch podcast where they talk about behind the scenes of every episode, and um, it's cool. it's a lot of fun too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just seem and they've become great friends, and everybody on that show just seems like genuinely like they had a great yeah. time making it. So yeah. A lot, a lot of careers spun out of that show. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you guys know of any others? Uh, those are some the ones I found, but I know there's got to be more. Um, Allison Tolman. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Right, who is who was on Fargo? Yes. And um, Fargo season one. Season one. Yeah, yeah. she's a, a deputy sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. Fargo yeah. Season one. Oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's playing the essentially the role that was played by. Um, 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 in the movie, Francis McDormand. Yeah, Francis yeah. McDormand. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. The, I mean, she the show's does, very different. She does a great job. She's though. terrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, that was her star making role. She's mm-hmm. gotten a lot of play off of that. So she's a Baylor Theater alum, mm-hmm. and um, and she still loves Baylor Theater and has a lot of friends there. And um, yeah, I'm sure great. there's some we're missing. So, oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's just the this first. This is not a comprehensive list. Yeah, this no, is not no. a comprehensive list. No. Well, Jesse Plemons came to mind. Uh huh. Um, he was born in Dallas, but he was raised in March. And of course, young kid actor and such. And I actually had met him and interviewed him, and he was all of six years old, I think. He was oh, really? really? <laughs> he was doing a commercial. It was either for Dr. Pepper or H-E-B. But, you know, oh, my goodness. But now he is. Um, he's quite the star. In, also in on a Fargo yep. <laughs> series. But oh, he's, that's right. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's been in several. Yeah. Breaking Bad. I think Breaking yeah. Bad was his big. Breakout, yeah, yeah, his big breakout role. But, Friday yeah. Night Lights, was sort of. Yes, like, that's oh, right. There you go. Yeah, he's in the new Martin Scorsese movie, yeah. right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Killer City. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to have a Kirsten Dunst sighting in Waco, it's probably because they're married. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, and they, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were co-stars in that. I was, uh, I was trying to think of the in, connection in that, there. Yeah. Uh, Fargo, yeah. third season, uh, second season, third second season. or third. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, mm. and a fifth season coming of that soon. I like that show. That's a good show. Mm-hmm. So I found some writers and producers as well that that weren't necessarily into acting. Uh, so you guys might know a little bit more about about them. Thomas Harris was a was a Baylor grad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Worked at the Tribune Herald for a brief time. Really? You were colleagues at the Tribune Herald? (laughs) Back in the uh, late 70s, I think. Okay. Okay. Wow. And uh, known for Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Mm -hmm. So so did he write the original? I think he wrote the original Manhunter. Yeah. Yeah. 
the, yeah, yeah. The yeah he's re- he wrote the whole series of you know all those books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Terrence Malick, the uh, writer or director of the Thin Red Line. I don't know what other what other credits he might have. Well, film locally. Yeah, they yeah. Um, um, the tree uh, tree of life tree, tree of, of life, life. Yeah. yeah tree of right. life is his uh, Waco. His ode to Waco, ode to Central Texas, and shot here. Yeah. Wait, do, where did they shoot? Do you, Chris, do you know where they shot that primarily? Gosh, Smithville. Okay. It was in Smithville, Smithville area. Okay. okay, okay. But they did do B footage here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some scenes you'll see that are on Austin Avenue. Some of the houses on Austin yeah. Avenue. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, there's a scene or two you see the Alaco Building sort of in the corner. So his family used to live off of MacArthur Drive. Okay. And so it's easy to watch that film knowing that it's drawn a lot from his life yeah. and you see what Waco in the 50s probably felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's our interpretation of it, knowing that. Yeah. And one of our one of our students in our program uh, went to work for him uh, doing editing and post-production at his company after graduating. He was a student, undergrad student who also went to our grad program and then went to work for Terry as he calls him <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny and but it's been fun because we'll bring him back in and and have you know him do like um uh you know zoom in with talk to the students about when we do our directing class about you know terry's directing style and um it's always fun to kind of you know get the the skinny on how he directs which is a very unusual style because yeah. he just shoots he's malik is known for you know actors who were in his films who like they, they shot like the whole film and then they just never appear in it because he just decided he just changed the whole thing afterwards so yeah like he shoots and shoots and shoots and then he just finds the story in post-production afterward and so he'll just change the whole thing and actors who were in it are just like well i i made a malik film but i'm not in it so, <laughs> <laughs> so. So, but because of the way he edits, and that's what Christian, our our former student, was telling us that he just finds the story, and he has a lot of editors who are helping him put pieces of it together and put different versions of it together. And it's a very that, that's unusual an interesting style. way to go about it. Yes, yeah, a very unusual yeah. way to do it. And he has no other director because he uh, because of the money that this costs, he's yeah. doing it on his own. You know, studios are time is money, and there's a release schedule, and he's making these you know fairly expensive art films that are he's just you know doing his own thing and he has a reputation that allows him to do it so yeah yeah and the actors aren't always happy about that <laughs> so um, could you imagine shooting for like weeks yeah. on a film and then with with a legendary director and then <laughs> do you still show up in the credits that's the question yeah we well, yeah. got paid that's the main thing yeah. so the question is did you do it the second time yeah probably not <laughs> Well, for those of us who uh, graduated or went to Baylor in the 80s, the, the Reynolds name is pretty prevalent. Yeah, so okay. Herb Reynolds was the uh, uh, president of Baylor for many years. I don't know that the, the book ends on that. But his son, uh, Kevin Reynolds, has been a prolific director and, and done writing as well, right? Yep. yep. Um, some, of his, some of his works, uh, Fandango, uh, Robin Hood, Red, Red Don, The Count of Monte Cristo, Waterworld. Yeah. yeah, obviously you see a, uh, a strong there. partnership with uh, Kevin Costner there that ended at some point. Yeah. yeah. I think they had a falling out, I as think I so. understand it. Yeah. 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 Well, Waterworld, I don't think, was a great experience based on... 
for the viewer that. either. So. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to either Kevin. Uh, you know, it's a great idea, but yeah, not not quite the film that it should be. So, so I, at the, I have a memory go back ahead. when uh, President Reynolds was in mayor, but uh, Kevin's film, The Beast, was coming uh-huh. out, and that's uh, it's the story of the Afghan fighters against the Russian occupying force and such. And so they had scheduled this VIP screening. So President Reynolds and his wife was there and Kevin and his family, lots of Baylor VIPs, coats and ties, that sort of thing, and showing it. Well, it's an R-rated movie because of the violence. And so I'm sitting there in the audience and the audience is sort of like, okay, okay. And they have a scene in the movie where there's a Russian tank that runs over an Afghan rebel and crushes his head. And it's just this pain silence. And they're like, oh, the president is here. I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think that would even raise an eyebrow now. Yeah. That viol- you know, violence doesn't seem to bother people now. It's, mm. it's uh, you know. Playboy magazine. Sex. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the, his early movies with Costner, I think his first one was Fandango, yeah, right? which movie. is a cult classic. Yeah. yeah, it's actually based on his time at Baylor when he, in his yeah. fraternity, and uh, it was fun. As I was doing research for this, I found a blog where one of his old fraternity brothers is listing the characters and kind of who they really were in his mm-hmm. life. And like one or two of them are people I know in Waco now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that character was based on him. Um, <laughs> He's come a long way. Um, <laughs> but it's written as UT, isn't it? Yeah. In right. the movie? Yeah, right. it's yeah. not Baylor. Yeah. They didn't, didn't want to solely the Baylor name. No, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Red Dawn, of course. Iconic. Oh, yeah. 80s Love movie. That. Wolverines, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was his first big movie. Yeah. 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 It's for, to make a name. It's a huge himself. hit at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. 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 Let's see. It had uh, Swayze in mm-hmm. it, right? And it was it was all of those. It's, yeah. It's Charlie Sheen. Sheen's screen debut. Is it really? Isn't it? Yeah. Know, is Isn't that? Red okay. Dawn. Yeah, we, we used to do a Cold War film festival. Hmm. And we showed Dr. Strange Love, which is James Earl Jones's screen debut. Huh. I mean, two. Boy, what a, e- what a pair of yeah. films to, to show. Yeah. I love Strange Love and Red Dawn. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about opposite ends of the political spectrum. <laughs> yeah, John Milius uh, is one of the writers on, on Red Dawn. He's uh, yeah, politically a little different than mm-hmm. Kubrick. Yeah. So. <clears throat> one I want to squeeze in here uh, that, that's not on our list that I, I know Chris will have and Carl have comment on is is John Lee Hancock, mm. who's a Baylor undergrad and then a Baylor law grad as yeah. well. Um, but uh, Blindside, I mean, he, he's a writer. He's a writer, producer, and director. director. Yeah. I mean, he, he's done uh, a lot of different films. The, the Founder. Yeah, which I love that movie. The That's Founder, yeah, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. Uh, Blindside, Rookie, The Rookie, all those movies. The Alamo, of course, which yeah. I don't think was the success they hoped it would be. But but who could forget yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> it's not a bad movie, actually. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's Billy not, Bob it doesn't Horton. quite come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does Baylor have any... Yeah, know, John Lee has come and spoken to our students. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a he's a, definitely a friend of the department. Um 
in, you know, in spite of not having been a part of our department when he was here, he's an English major, I think, mm-hmm. an undergrad, and yeah, you mentioned a law law grad, but he um, he's friends with a number of our faculty. I don't know him that well personally because his um, his friendship with them predates my arrival. Mm-hmm. But I've met him a couple of times, and um, he's come and spoken, um, and he's good friends with another person on our list, Eric Hass. Um, they they're friends. And so he and Derek came a few years ago and spoke to the students about basically, you know, career as writer and director in Hollywood and what that's all about. I think he came right before, I think while he was in the process of making, was it The Highwaymen, the Netflix film Mm -hmm. he made with Woody Harrelson? Yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah, and Kevin Costner. So um, I think he was making that or in pre-production. I can't remember where he was in that process, but... um, so yeah, great. I mean, he loves talking to the students. Mm-hmm. Really great guy. Um, um, you know, just just a busy guy. You know, because when he's not making one of his own projects, he's he's like a script, you know, highly paid script doctor. Okay. You know, so he's working on, which means he's he's working on other people's scripts, often uncredited. You know, fixing scripts for Hollywood productions, kind of making mm-hmm. them better, and the way Writers Guild arbitration works. They don't always get credit for those things, but they'll get pretty good paycheck for them. So he does a lot of that work to kind of in between his own projects or to to, to get his own projects to the next step, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a still a big Baylor fan and has a lot of connections to Baylor and every, and mm-hmm. you know comes back when he can mm-hmm. when we make the ask, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which we try not to do too often with some of these guys because you know they they only come back so often. Right. Well, you mentioned Haas and, and Brant, who mm-hmm. I know have been very engaged. Yeah, yeah very much. So. A couple yeah. of my friends from college. Yeah, oh, sure. I didn't know. Oh, that. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They don't call me anymore. I don't yeah. know why. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, well, if you keep asking for money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you don't pay them back. I mean, that, that, no, yeah, no, they're they are great. Yeah, yeah and, good guys, um, really good guys. Uh, Derek has. Um, what Derek, so I mentioned Derek brought John Lee mm-hmm. the last time he came. He brought um, Craig Mazin, who was the um, creator of uh, The Last of Us mm-hmm. uh, show on HBO. And uh, so Derek is always willing to not only come back, but come and bring somebody with him, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and Derek, of course, is just his creator um, of Chicago Fire and, you know, one of the executive producers on the whole Chicago series and some of the FBI shows on TV as well. But I, I think he's just now left Chicago Fire after, what is it, 11, 10, 11 seasons? A long run, yeah. And so he's decided, I mean, I don't know if you guys know anything about being a showrunner on television, which is what he has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a long run as a showrunner. And that's, yeah. a, that's a hard gig. And he was a showrunner on Chicago Fire and FBI International, which shoots in... Uh, I don't remember which foreign country. I can't remember what country it shoots in, but but it shoots in in Europe. Mm. So he was, you know, shooting in Europe and in Chicago and lives in L.A. Uh, he was exhausted, so he he uh, had decided it was time to move on and start doing some other things. I don't know what things, but yeah, he was he left Chicago yeah. Fire and. And besides TV, he's also done some movie stuff. Yeah, with he, Michael. Yeah, you know? the, he and Michael had done. They they got their start on the second 
Fast and Furious movie. That was their too fast, too, too fast, furious. too furious. Yes. And it must have been successful because they, I think, they've continued to make those movies. <laughs> a few of them, yeah. <laughs> double, so, double digits. He always he said that was you know getting the um, getting the first feature made is is getting your your stamp into the club, mm. you know. And once they did that. Then you know. Then they made Three Ten to Yuma, and they made Wanted, and I love Three Ten to Yuma. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. And Wanted is a great genre yeah. film. Great, you know, kind of uh, spy slash. I, I won't call it supernatural, but there's a, some elements to it that are mm-hmm. like that. So it's it's a fun thriller. And um, but then they transitioned to TV and did all the television shows. I think though. Michael was ready to move on to do some other things and then now Derek is too and so yeah Mm -hmm. but great supporters of Baylor come and Derek's always up for a a Baylor uh, basketball or football game and he usually times his visits with some big game like UT or you know something significant (laughs) yeah yeah He's so prolific, he probably doesn't do it anymore. But I know in his early work, there was sort of a running joke where he would have the names, he would work on the names of two Baylor professors in his characters and such. And so you would have... He kills them off often, too. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, he can't kill Darden. He just keeps uh, coming yeah, back. He always well. He killed Darden often. If yet the first character who dies in Chicago Fire is a firefighter named Darden. Darden. So, well, and, it, and he even worked in some of our other friends into Chicago Fire. There's yeah. a, uh, another friend of our Randy Flagler who was in our fraternity too. That yeah, that who was a regular. On yeah, it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I met Randy when I went out there right after the show had started, or, or no, right before it started. I met Randy. So and and just great guy, oh, really friendly. Awesome guy. Then the show yeah. started, and he shows up as Cap on the, or I think they call him Cap, and yeah. and uh, I was like, oh, that's Randy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's hilarious on the show. <laughs> uh, we, you know, and I I wanted just a shout out for Derek too because he's been such a supporter of our department mm-hmm. to in just little. You know, we have our student film festival every year, and Derek has given money for student prizes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He's just in very small. You know, little ways, quiet ways. He's a, he's been very supportive of our program. Coming back and speaking to students on his own dime, he won't let us fly him in. He won't let us fly Craig Mason in. He he pays for everything, and yeah, he's uh he just wants to do it all. And you know, he's, he's a big supporter of Baylor. So. That's awesome. You know, um, what do are there any other writers and producers that you guys could think of? I, I was going to skip down, still in the into the movie genre. Um, movies about Waco or that that are, are centered, you know, have some connection to Waco. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a few here, but uh, I uh, there's a, a movie called Waco that was 1952 um, that uh, that's set in Waco and stars Bill Elliott's an old Western um, back in the in the Western heyday. Um, and then, ironically, again in 1966, there's another movie called Waco. Uh, but this one wasn't set in in Waco. It was set in, in somewhere in Wyoming. But the the lead character's name was Waco. Waco. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then speaking of characters named Waco, a great uh, a great wet reference is the Waco Kid. Of course. Blazing Saddles. Yeah. yeah. Which was not shot in Waco. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. The Gene Wilder in Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Yep. I, Chris, I talked to you earlier about just thinking about kind of the Waco landscape mm-hmm. cinematically. I mean, there's been a lot of I, – I, one of my r- recent favorites was The Old Man and the Gun, mm-hmm. where there's a few shots. There's a few shots in East Waco. There's the 
homage to the the American bank, the round American bank that's yeah. no longer with us. But uh, you've thought about Waco a lot through kind of a you know cinematic eye. Yeah. I, I don't think directors actually hold up uh, you know their their hands as squares anymore. <laughs> I don't know. The think listeners I, can't see what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I know. This would be better on video. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's where you do the two L's that face each other and you hold it up against the landscape. But I'm interested as someone who has an eye for film, kind of how you think about the Waco yeah. landscape for something like that. Yeah, right. I, that's interesting question that I get. I have been asked that before. And one of the things I really like about Waco is that uh, within um, a fairly small uh, or short distance, you can find a lot of different landscapes. Mm. Um, so I've shot five feature films here and um, one of them was a road trip and we shot the whole road trip in Waco <laughs> because um, because when you travel through Waco it looks different as you go to different places and I mean the only thing you lack really is you know we're obviously don't, we don't look like a big city you know we're, you're not going to get we can't we can't fake New York or you know uh, you know a big foreign city or something like that but um at least we can't fake it in big vistas, but you know, mm -hmm. on the sidewalks downtown, you can you can kind of get away with some of that, and that's the the thing I like about it is that you know we can get we can get a farm or a ranch, we can get the suburbs, we can get you know a downtown look, and 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 very easily within <laughs> short driving distance, we can get all of these looks. Yeah, and, and I you know I've shot you know, the Alaco building and I've shot the, the suspension bridge and I've shot, you know, in, in the films as part of the, the stories, you know, I've incorporated all of those things because they're, they're picturesque and they're beautiful and, you know, why not use them? Um, so, it, and it continues to grow and add, you know, new things. And I, I think Waco is underrated in terms of its ability to be a bit chameleon like, you know? Um, so I, you know, people think, oh, it's just, it's Waco. It's, well, no, it's, it's got a lot of different looks mm -hmm. when you go from place to place. And I find that very interesting. And, um, and then just a little bit further out, you know, you can get even more, you know, rural and, and ranch, like, you know, this, the next film I'm making next summer has a, um, it has a, a sequence where I, I won't go into the plot and everything, but there, there's a Western sequence where the, um, characters are wishing that they were able to be cowboys they're you know kind of trying to fulfill the childhood dream and and that like i'm not worried about being able <laughs> to shoot that around here you know is carl shoulder going to be in this film <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you gotta give you gotta give the people what they want <laughs> maybe an elbow <laughs> I, I did think well, of uh no, go ahead carl oh i was thinking there was a movie or some footage that was shot a couple of years ago um, there was a series on the Sex Pistols called Pistol. Yeah, yeah. And, and some there's snippets in that film that were shot in Waco. Yeah. And so I think there's a section where the characters are in a car driving cross country, but they're crossing the Washington Avenue Bridge. Mm. And then there's a scene where they arrive in San Francisco at night in front of the hotel they're checking into, but it's the front of the Alaco building. Yeah. I knew they were shooting downtown for it. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those you have to 
that it's, that, it's that it's little gone. that's all they shot it, yeah i thought yeah. they shot more than that okay wasn't there a zombie mu movie as well yeah uh, risen risen, risen. risen. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was um before which is also the name of a christian movie <laughs> so of course little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zombie saints same thing yeah risen was um damon one Crump of the stuff. damon crump oh damon crump yeah yeah damon. one of the original yeah. independent films shot here so mm -hmm. yeah and that's still mm -hmm. going strong they they still show it at in uh, well, in Waco it's and memorable Halloween, memorable for the climatic scene of the zombie attack at the Bell Mead Civic Center. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. They had a lot of cooperation from Bell Mead, so um, it's so, a film-friendly city. So <laughs> here's a tangential connection we haven't brought up, but uh, is Taylor Sheridan? Uh huh. Okay, yeah. Um, so related to the McNamara family right, here in right. town. Mm -hmm. uh, a little foreshadowing to our next episode there, but um, and. Uh, uh, in fact, one of the things we 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 talk about in this series is the historical crossroads that Waco was, and then you know how having uh, you know, you know there was a as a ferry crossing and eventually a, a, a bridge and all that stuff. And in his eighteen eighty three series recently, uh, or when I watched it recently, you know, a big part of a couple episodes of them actually having to cross the Brazos hmm. and people dying and you know hmm. getting swept away and how dangerous it was. And I thought, well, that's that's a that's a beautiful, well, not beautiful, but it's a very distinct picture of what we're trying to describe of what travel was like and why yeah. why towns like Waco had a huge advantage because we had a bridge. I mean, it's something as low tech now as we would say a bridge is. I mean, it was yeah, it was life saving then yeah for those people. But anyway, Taylor Sheridan connected to um, um, some of the some folks here in Waco and, and yeah, he's and, been in town a few times. And there, yeah, I, I have no idea how true some of this stuff is but the film his film taylor sherman's film hell or high water yeah that everybody said oh that character is based on parnell mcnamara and mm -hmm. i don't know how accurate that is but yeah. i know parnell mcnamara loved that uh, oh yeah no, he would say he would say yes yeah i mean i think there's and i had connection. i had had the younger parnell uh as a student so you know grandson parnell yeah. as yeah. a student he's great great yeah. guy still to this day yeah. i see him occasionally at church well, so, one of the things I liked about that film was he just had the tone of the mm -hmm. Texas as well. Yeah, yeah, for such. sure, for sure. And that's so many times you see something about Waco, and you know, yes. and it's like, oh, it's Wild West, and it's like, well, no, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Mm. So. One film that we got to mention, uh, Rick, because we have a friend that was one of the principals in the movie, and that is Saronia. Yeah. Uh, so Wes Cunningham's yeah. uh, film, 2011 release, Saronia, which. Wes Cunningham, who of course had his Nashville career, uh, but was an actor yeah. there in Serenia. A lot of that is shot in Waco. Yeah, Brandon so Dickerson is mm -hmm. the, yeah, the director. director. And, um, Thomas Ward wrote that mm -hmm. with Brandon. Yeah, and Wes. I think Wes was involved in the writing of it too. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. A little bit of it is biographical, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. I don't know if the films I've seen that have been shot in Waco. That one felt like a story in Waco. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it was, but it's just how the city and the community and how the people in it. Yep. Very much Waco. Mm -hmm. So Carl, what else are we missing here? What, what, uh, in that category of kind of film shot here or stuff that you've written about? Well, I was thinking too of, of stories that happened in Waco that find their way into other movies. And so like you had uh, Pearl Harbor, the film that came out in 2008, mm -hmm. where it had a section on Doris Miller actually, you know, which many times you never see in a Pearl Harbor movie, mm -hmm. but 
you know, the section of his heroism in battle, you know, that's there. Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, played Billy Doris Miller. Um, there was a film on, that Oliver Stone did on uh, George W. Bush called W., uh, in which part of it was set in Crawford and his ranch, but that was filmed in that um, Shreveport, <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> and so you look at it, it's like, yeah, it's not the foliage they have out at Crawford. <laughs> and then there was a smaller documentary that came out called Crawford that was actually set in Crawford about how that town changed mm -hmm. under the president, which was really very good. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Charles Scott did a three-part mm -hmm. documentary on Waco, What About Waco, that uh, seen here locally, but I'm not sure how far it was distributed, but had a, actually Waco history in those stories. And then in Spike Lee's film, um, Black Klansman, there's a section toward the end where yep. uh, Harry Balfani is basically telling the story of the Jesse Washington lynching mm -hmm. in pretty graphic detail. In a very so, powerful scene. Yeah, yeah awesome. it is. Very one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I understand there's a movie in the works that has Waco as part of the setting called K-Pop Lost in America, <laughs> in which you have a Korean boy band that somehow is in Waco, and they need to get to New York for their debut concert, but... Rick is writing this down. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I thought I, you were going to say Rick is writing this it. film. I yeah. that. No. So that would be interesting. That's in uh, discussion right now. I think Rebel Wilson signed to that. Now, I don't think this was Waco, but was it close by the, the Sally Fields movie uh, Places in the Heart? Was that oh, where that was shot? Um, that, was that in, or was that Waxahachie or Hillsborough? Hillsborough, yeah, 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 but yeah. And you mentioned where the heart is, uh, yeah. which is a lot, there's a lot of Baylor in that, and you can see Carl in the background, and not just his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see a full frontal Carl in the background, uh, sweating is, in a brown sweater, <laughs> which, which is worth the rental uh, alone to see that. <laughs> um, Okay, we should mention something about the Magnolia Empire. Yeah, okay. For sure. Well, th this might be a good place to, to, to land, to talk yeah. about. I mean, a network, right? I mean, now it's become this network. You, you, you could get into a little bit of the background here, but the end of it is now there's a network-based, a national network, international network based yeah. in Waco. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Chip, Chip and Joanna were home remodelers and builders and developers here. And then in 2012... I think the story goes, she, they had something on a blog kind of showing some of her work or some of the interior design work. And, and then that got, uh, the producer saw that and, you know, reached out to him and said, Hey, we've got an idea. Can we come visit you? And that led to maybe doing some short clips and sending it to HGTV to see if they liked it. You know, there was some, there, there, there was, uh, some positive feedback that ended up with them developing a pilot in 2013 that was released in 2013 of uh, them remodeling a house here for uh, Doug and Lacey McNamee. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, I didn't that, realize they were on the pilot. Yeah, yeah okay. they, they were the pilot. And uh, yeah, and then it took off from there, right? I mean, but and uh, uh, as, as Stephen knows, you know, I've spent years doing Chamber of Commerce stuff and we talk about economic development all the time. There's nowhere in the playbook for economic development that you go, hey, let's let's get a couple in our community and make them reality TV stars and just see where it goes, right? No, but mm. but it has been an 
you know, it's been great for them. It's been great for Waco's image. Uh, it's been great for our economy. I mean, not only all the tourists that come here now, I mean, people have moved here because of the show, uh, but they have a thriving enterprise here with several hundred employees, um, you know, several businesses from restaurants to retail. Um, if, if we probably of, of the people on the sheet we've talked about or the, on, on the show that we've talked about so far, probably the most impactful TV program about Waco that, that we've ever had. I so. think so. I think so too. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I can't, you, you really can't overstate its impact on the city. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, and I know there are people out there who are fairly negative about it. Well, whatever. You Somebody's know. always negative about it. Yeah, that's true. I, I, and there, I, there may be people negative about this podcast. We don't oh, talk to them. There should be. There should be. If there aren't. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I think that, yes, there's always going to be somebody negative about something. I, I was always find it interesting whenever there's a, an article about Chip and Joanna and the Waco trip. I was read the comments on the Facebook, you know, post of the article. <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. They get blamed for a lot of stuff. Interesting right? cross section of, uh, of opinion, but yeah, they do get blamed for a lot, but I, yeah, it's, um, they, they have brought a lot of, of really, uh, great economic impact to the city. I mean, and, and really great. Um, just like you said, the reputation, the change in reputation yeah. of the city, which I think had had already been underway because of um, good things that Baylor was doing. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that sports should be the most important thing, but Baylor had had a really great, um, you know, run in sports, which then unfortunately had some negatives, but um, which I'm not going to go into on on this podcast. That's another which has podcast. Nothing to do with this podcast, I know, but well, I guess it is Waco history, but mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, but they they really I mean the show brought people here for a very positive reason I mean I mean that one year I remember hearing Waco had more tourism than the Alamo because of, and because of Chip and Joanna yeah. and I was like wow that's insane mm-hmm. but you know good for Waco yeah, yeah. so you know is very good for Waco and the housing values rose because more people moving here as you said Rick so I mean all seems very positive to me. I was on a recent Zoom call within our newspaper chain, and it was how to get reporters to code their stories in a certain way that gives them higher visibility in Google and search search engine optimization, that sort of thing. And I'd said, you know, our plight here in Waco is that every time you put Waco in the search field for a Google search, you get 20 things about Branch Davidians, and it just mm-hmm. sort of plugs it up. And one of the responses from one of the, the younger reporters on this is, I don't think of that at all. I think of Magnolia. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the change. Exactly what I was alluding to, really, is like they've they've erased that for a whole generation. Yeah, for from a national perception, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I play a history professor in the Castle series, <laughs> and I, I think unbelievable. A little bit of a stretch. I think I'm a little bit of a stretch. Did, did, before you came on, did they say, five minutes, talent? <laughs> they, they should have. Yeah. yeah. They should have. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I mean, we have covered uh, a, a lot of ground. Mm, a I, lot. Yeah. Chris and Carl, I can't thank y'all enough for joining uh, Rick and I. It was a lot of fun. A, any other fun. things you want to get in before we uh, – Turn off the recorder. I was just wondering, 
as long as you guys have been looking at Waco history, are there stories of Waco history that would make a good movie? Oh well, that, that yeah, that might be a whole other. There's episode. some characters there. There are, there are a host of characters. I look at Sol Ross, and I go, man, that guy lived a very interesting mm-hmm. life. Yeah, or uh, I mean, just as one example. Uh, and for instance, I I heard there's a Tom Wilson biopic in the works. I mean, there's there's a story of we've talked about him on another yeah, podcast, yeah. a record producer for Great Waco guy. that had yeah. a storied career. So. So yeah, I think there are, but we don't want to give them away now because we will. <laughs> That's a good podcast. We will yeah. save those for, for the next episode yeah. of the Waco History Podcast. Well, I have another. So I wanted to when you brought up the movie Seronia, yeah, which also stars Tony Hale uh-huh. of Arrested Development yes. fame. So Tony Hale's a friend of mine. Oh, and um, and Veep. I mean, Tony Hale, very v- gifted oh, Veep, yeah, comedic actor fantastic. and and serious actor. And serious actor, yeah. yeah. And he, um, uh, he and I were in graduate school together. Okay. And um, so when I was here and making my very first film, I tried to jokingly blackmail him because he he was in my first gr- uh, directing project in grad school, and I threatened to release it to his adoring fan base if he <laughs> if he didn't star in my first film, which he was not able to do because he didn't have the time. But he did agree to come and do like a day on the film. So he came to Waco and shot a day on my first film. And so he, so Tony Hale has a Waco connection and has go. made a film in Waco. Um, so he's he's got a small role in my first film that we shot here in Waco. And uh, again, street cred with my students because the rest of the development was huge at the time. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, and he came in, did a, a day on the film, the students were adoring and then he, you know, did a, a, a you know an evening of speaking with the students and oh, doing Q and A with them. So he's a wonderful guy. I was out in L.A. because we have a new L.A. program that I was kind of doing a review of, and um, I had a chance to have lunch with him. And just a, just a sweet, sweet guy. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. I appreciate you getting that in here. That would have been remiss if we didn't get it in. Uh, well, thanks. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Carl. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.